way. On that wall over there, about head high to, or over some people's head, and then there's another one back on that side over there, are your offering uh, plates. And as soon as, uh, quote, pandemic is over, and haven't you noticed that uh, since we had the bad storm last week that COVID went away? Nobody mentioned it. Nobody talked about it. No reports on it. It just vanished away. And so, uh, but I want everybody to know that uh, we have our offering uh, dispensers there where you can just go by and put your love offerings in. And we're on schedule to be in church Wednesday night here at Bible study. Amen. Hallelujah. And I want to thank uh, all of you for being here. By the way, today, my class this morning was growing. We just had a bunch of brand new people in there, just praise God. And they weren't, quote, brand new. They just uh, are getting better and, and feeling stronger and uh, just beginning to migrate back in. And we love God for that and how sweet it is. And we're glad to have uh, uh, Pastor Pastor Michael on the platform today over to my right back here. And... Uh, we, we appreciate that, and God is moving in His physical body, and He's getting His, his wind back, and uh, they're doing better and better on that. And how many of y'all uh, kind of had to hunker down for a few days? Could I see your hand? Yeah, me too. I hunkered way down, and uh, it was cold at my house, and uh, we had uh, a wonderful time. I've been uh, uh, kind of in and out of the office studying and reading along the way, and uh, continuing to stay into the Word, and God has blessed us, and we want you to pray today for Melissa. She's in the state of recovery and doing a, a better, and I praise God for that, and I want to just worship Jesus for that as well. And today, Tanner is staying at home with his mom while uh, while uh, Michael and uh, our youngest grandson, Brother Riley, are here. Riley's doing duty outside. Uh, you know, we have a lot of people on... Uh, different things going on, and uh, uh, Riley's out there working for the body of Christ, and I, pre I appreciate both of our grandsons, and uh, they're doing a great job living for Jesus and uh, just praising God for their lives as well. And uh, by the way, I want everybody to know that uh, God has helped us and blessed us, and I appreciate what the Lord is doing every day, and we're continuing to pray for David Chapman, and we're praying for Linda Cash every day. We got these people on our prayer list along with others, and uh, we're asking God to minister to them and give them divine and complete healing. And we got a, a considerably lengthy text today, which is a wonderful text about David Chapman and some progress that he's having made in his body. And uh, he's been conscious now for. Go ahead and give the Lord a praise for that. He's been conscious. He's been conscious for uh, several days now and able to, uh, uh, you know, nod his head and, and uh, uh, comprehend and things like that. And they're continuing to work with his lung function. And so there, there's a ways to go. But then remember this, we're in this for the long haul. We're not going to back down and back out and quit. Amen. We're going to heaven together. Praise God. And we're going to run it to the end. How about you? Amen. We're going to run it all the way to the very end. Bishop, is that you back there? Would you wave your hand at us? Praise the Lord. Glad to see brother, brother and sister Bishop. <laughs> uh, 
Amen. Brother Bishop, greet us today. Amen. Stand up and just tell us something good about Jesus. Yes. Woo! <laughs> oh boy, myself, as they say. And uh, Sister Paula, bless you. I've been knowing these guys since uh, they were tiny little critters, just tiny little guys. And uh, we, uh, uh, Paula, used to be considered uh, Jim and and uh, my and Betty's little sister. And you may have heard this story, but some of you probably haven't. But when my dad built a brand-new four-bedroom home on the north end of this town many years ago, it was going to be a three-bedroom because that's what we'd always had. And Well, when we lived out in the country, we didn't, <laughs> we, we didn't have anything. The poor folks called us poor. LAUGHTER and uh, like S.M. Lockridge said, they had to use possums for yard dogs and hoot owls for chickens. But, uh, they, they, uh, but, but my dad built a new home. And when they were building the house, my dad had drawn into the plans for an extra bedroom. And my mother said, why are we going to have another bedroom? He said, for brother and sister Kyle. That would be Paula's mom and dad. Kyle family. They were our youth presidents and they traveled East Texas preaching. And uh, my dad built a brand new home and put an extra room and bathroom on it just for the Kyles. So when they came through working this end of the district for the Pentecostal Church of God Fellowship, they had a place to stay and uh, they were just like they walked up and opened the door and walked in the house and said, we're home. Amen. And back in those days, uh, Paul and Randy, and those were little guys, and uh, we, we've appreciated those that family for so many years, and the Caracos, and our churches in Houston area for decades and decades, and then they grew up and became youth presidents, and then they went off and pastored in another state and came back to us, and uh, uh, God has blessed us with their presence here, and I thank God for that. Well, is everybody going to get ready for the Word now? Say Amen. I hope you're ready for the Word because we're going to go on a trip this morning and a good one. I'm going to be reading actually two scriptures, and one of them will be found in 2 Timothy. Uh, that would uh, be one, and then the other one will be found about one page over to your right in the book of Titus. Okay, we're going to have two particular scriptures here, and we will uh, get into that in here just a very brief moment. And I'm going to praise God. But before I get started on this, I want to mention something that I think is very, very important. And that is uh, the, the trials that are going on in the world today are multiple. Many. They're, they're out there. There are just a lot of them. And uh, there, there are things that are underlying that we don't see a whole lot, but we hear about them. And then there are other things that are highly visible. And Barbara and I were talking just a couple of days ago in a house that was warm. didn't have any water in it, but 
by the way, it still doesn't. <laughs> but uh, we, we were talking, and I said, Barbara, do you remember when we uh, got off of the plane in Montego Bay, Jamaica, and we went up through the mountains and preached all in the towns and ended up over in, uh, over in uh, Kingston. But when we went up to Maypen, there was a Bible college on the top of the mountain. Uh, and uh, what, everybody was so excited because they asked us to eat at the Bible college. Brother MacPherson and some of those great guys. And they asked us to eat at the Bible college. And word just buzzed around everywhere. The missionaries are here. The evangelists are here. And they're going to eat at the Bible college. So they had a special meal prepared for the Bible college. And Barbara and I were so excited. And when we got there, show enough, as they say in Texas, show enough, it was a sight. They put us at the head of the line. And we, we got to eat in the cafeteria with all the Bible college students and all the general officials in that district. And we had the main, the main meal, the main entree was pigtail soup and potato peels that they didn't have the potatoes, but they had the peelings, and they made a soup out of potato peelings. And we had pigtail soup and potato peelings that they had boiled. Y'all are looking at me like I'm lying to you. <laughs> Honey, would you put your hand up right? There you go. And uh, we, and when we didn't have water, but we were still warm, we griped. What do they think this is? This is 21st century. We don't have any water in our house. And we got to talk about where we had been. And this is pretty nice. Come on, say amen. Come on, buddy. It's pretty nice. In, our, in our, some of our missionary travels, uh, it, it wasn't like this. It was not like this. And when we were preaching a, an Indian camp meeting for the Navajo people, the, the sewer at the campgrounds backed up, and the National Director of Indian Missions, Reverend Don Burke, and I and two other pastors got shovels, and we dug a new septic tank. And uh, we, we put the shovels in the ground. We're digging a new septic tank because the old one was inadequate. And one of them preachers looked up and wiped sweat off of his face, and he said, Is this some of that glory that you get when you're in the ministry? <laughs> and uh, and then when we were traveling in another country, we went across a big bridge, and we looked down, and all the the, the women were down, and they were in a beautiful clear river there, and they had all their clothes piled up, and they were washing them in the in the in the river, and they had them laid on rocks, and they were cleaning their clothes, and uh, we even had to borrow a washing machine last night to wash our clothes in. But it's still not all that bad. Come on, buddy. And when we go to countries and have before, they say, don't drink the water. Big deal. We're not drinking it here. <laughs> Is anybody getting what I'm talking about? Let me see your hand if you get. Are you getting this? And, and I won't... I want us to cheer up a little bit today 
Because Jesus Christ has blessed us. Come on, buddy. We, we want to praise God for that. We want to praise God for that. We even had the honor of having our son stay a couple of three nights at our house with us because his propane tank was low and they were so busy selling it to other people that uh, they, had to, uh, they had to skip him for a few days. So uh, we are really blessed people. And when uh, the rolling blackouts came, I bought a generator. And a bunch of you people in this church chastised me 22 years ago when I bought that generator. <laughs> because we had moved out the country. We had a barn we wanted to tear down, and it was way out in the pasture, and we needed saws to run. And we and I went and bought a generator, and everybody in the whole church spread it through the church. The only reason I bought a generator is I was afraid that Y2K we was going to lose everything. We wouldn't have any electricity and all that kind of stuff. And here I am, 22 years later, with that same generator. It kept their house going for them. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Come on, church. Lighten up a little bit with me, all right? I understand. I fully understand what's going on. I'm in the middle of it with you. Amen? I really am. I really am. I'm still wearing a mask in public, and I'm still scrubbing my hands up with alcohol and all that stuff, you know. And they said, rub vigorously, rub vigorously, you know. And Barbara put some on her hands, and I said, no, vigorously, honey. Let's... And, uh, and we have just, we've just enjoyed uh, uh, just looking around and, and in the middle of all the chaotic things, God is good. Would you lift up your hand and say aloud, God is good. God is good. Woo! Say amen to that. God is so very, very, very good. Now, if you will allow me today, I'm going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 3 and then into Titus chapter 1, which is only about two pages or one page over in your Bible to the right. And some of you that are not frequent Bible readers, we don't want you to look for that too long, okay? It'll, it'll be available for you. So in 2 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse 3, it says, Paul, now, now before I do this, may I preface this reading by saying, in all the years I've been studying, Paul wrote to the younger preachers a lot, which would be Timothy and Titus, and uh, he had some other younger preachers with him along the way. John Mark was one of them who wrote the book of Mark, and so in all of this, Paul addresses the younger preachers. And he says to this one named Timothy, as one of his sons in the faith, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Amen. And then... Uh, Titus was another young preacher. Let's turn the page over to Titus chapter 1. And I want to look at verse number 5. Titus 1 and 5. I think everybody has it by now. He says, For this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city, as I had appointed thee. And I'm going to use other scriptures a little bit later, but that's my, uh, that's my kickoff points here. And 
this is a, a story about difficult times when we're in crisis periods in our lives. Paul is writing to Timothy and Titus, and in this latter text that I read, he's saying to a young son in his faith, I have an island out there that is filled with churches, and it needs help because every church on that island is in bad shape. He was not talking about the buildings falling down or the fascia boards rotting off of the buildings. He was talking about the church itself not being in order. Now, Crete is an island that is between uh, the Mediterranean and uh, the Aegean Sea out there. And it's not a very big place. And Crete was known as a place of daring men and high immorality. It was rich, had a lot of money, and it was populated very heavily, and it had churches on it. But the churches were in disarray. Things were not right. And I've studied some scholars on this, and they say that the church that was started there was probably started by the Cretans. If you remember Acts 2, when it named off all the people that were in the upper room, it said from Crete. You remember that? When God planted that, that first Pentecostal Church of God in downtown Jerusalem <laughs> and uh, launched it out. And from there, the missionary program began to go around everywhere in the known world. And the scholars say that the people who were baptized with the Holy Ghost in Acts 2 were the ones that went to the island of Crete and pioneered, as we used to call it. Now they say planted churches there. So <clears throat> Titus was sent there to get everything in order. Now, would you look at me? Because I'm going to give you some heavy material right now. I told my class this morning, I wonder what Titus did to make Paul so mad at him that he sent him to Crete to stay there for the rest of his ministry and never, never leave there. <laughs> Every church was in a mess. And if you'll read Titus 1 and verse 12, and I, you may have your Bible still available, Paul told Titus that one of their prophets at Crete, one of their own prophets said that the Cretan people, and if you're looking at it in your Bible, that that bunch of people were liars, they were evil beasts, and slow bellies. That's what he called them. One of their own prophets said that, and here's Paul sending Timothy, in one case, into a very wicked world, to Pastor Ephesus, and then he sends Titus to Crete, where the church is full of liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. Now, I know that some of you right now are saying to yourself, I wonder what slow bellies are. Well, that's a Greek word spelled A-R-G-O-S. Since some of you don't do great Greek studies, some of you do, but since some of you don't, the word argos is a word that means idle or people who do nothing. It's full of laziness. 
is full of lazy Christians or lazy people. I don't know how they could be evil beasts and liars and be Christians. Would everybody agree with that one? So let, let's deal with this for a minute. Here is the young preacher, and he's there to hear what Paul's got to say, and he's in a crisis in Crete. We understand something about this preacher because at some point in our lives, we all have to deal with something. And I know you're thinking COVID, and then you're thinking Snowvid from a week ago. And then you're probably thinking about, uh, well, let me see, uh, uh, political problems and the advancement of sinful agendas all over the world. And our president just recently announced about two days ago that there are going to be 11 million new uh, immigrants uh, come. And uh, he said that uh, we're going to get all them in here because that's the American spirit. And I'm not against anybody coming to our nation legally. I am not opposed to anybody coming here legally. But sometimes I have a problem the other way around. But when you understand the Crete experience, you have to realize that when Titus got there, attendance was down. Paul said, <laughs> Paul said, Titus, you want to leave there. I, that's in the previous scriptures that I didn't read. You'd like to leave there, but I'm not going to let you. You're going to stay there. Sunday school classes are not growing. The offerings are in a slump. And trouble is coming from one way or another all the time. And you're not going to get out of there. You're going to stay there in that crisis because I have been led of God to have you appointed there because God's going to do something if you're faithful to your job and don't quit and don't give up and don't back down. That's a good place where you could have clapped your hands right there. And since you didn't and apparently you're not going to, I'm going to go on. <laughs> he wrote as a spiritual father. Listen to this. A spiritual father, he wrote. And, and he said, send me somewhere else, Paul. I want to go somewhere else. I don't like this church. They don't like me. And it's not good. And every church I've been to trying to get it right, I've made opposition. I'm in a trial right now, and I want to go somewhere else. Would you please reassign me to a different location? I'd like to go somewhere where the weather's better, where people treat you better. I'd like to have a better place for pay and money. I'd like to have all kinds of things different. And, and, and Paul uh, got his letter and replied, For this reason I have left you there. You're good enough. You're strong enough. You're powerful enough. You have enough God in you to overcome. You've got what it takes. You're not backing down and you're not backing out. And while Titus was wanting uh, sympathy, he didn't get it. He got sassafras tea. He was wanting somebody to pat him on the back and give him pity. But he didn't get that. Instead of a go ye somewhere else, he got a stick ye in Crete. 
And you're not going anywhere and you're going to do what God wants you to do because God's soldiers, as I told your preacher friend Timothy, the young guy, to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh, somebody woke up way back yonder. I didn't know. I don't know where it came from, but I liked it. Now, if you'll hear my heart, he learned, as all of us learn, that you cannot get to heaven without passing through your personal creed somewhere along that journey. Sometimes trials are long. I hate trials. I wish all my trials lasted 40 seconds. Uh, if it's going to come, I want it here and gone. I don't like trials. I don't. Somebody said, well, Brother Johnson, you're not supposed to say that to the church. I'll say it to anybody. I don't like it. Amen. I don't enjoy trials. And in Titus 1 and 5, Paul said, I left you there that you could set things in order. Sometimes we go through tests to get other things put in order in our lives like they should be. That's the will of God. And sometimes it's not easy. I heard a preacher pray one time, and he said, oh, God. I told him revival. He said, God, fill our building. God, fill our building. He stopped praying. He got real quiet. And I looked at him, and he looked at me, and he laughed. And I said, why are you laughing? He said, I told God to fill our building in this revival. And he said, he reminded me there's one time when he entered the building out. And when he drove him out of the temple. So it's not always going to be exactly what I want. But it's going to always lead me here to do what God wants me to do. And we're going to overcome in the name of Jesus. And Satan is still a liar. And like T.D. Jake says, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm ready. Amen. In the name of Jesus, we're going to overcome. And so uh, this, this was not a vacation mark on Crete. It was not there to just mark time. It was God's will for him to be there for a period. And I want you to hear this. There are three reasons why this man of God was there. Three of them. Number one, because Titus needed Crete. Because sometime when we come through the test, the trial, the anxiety, the difficulty, the problem, the financial pressure, the sickness... The anxiety that tries to overwhelm us sometime when we come through that, we realize I needed that, and it helped me to be an overcomer in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And here's the next reason. Crite, uh, Crete needed Titus. Now, not only did Titus need that, but they needed him. You know who this church needs? It needs a Bedard family. They're here. Go ahead. That's great. Clap. Praise God. And, uh, and, and early on, when, when they were installed here, uh, opposition rose. It really did. It rose. And then right after that, it was sickness that hit the body. Amen. And after that, it was something else, like COVID that came through, and, 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 and people roam around in Walmart and HEB and Brookshire's. Oh, but I can't go to church. I don't want to catch this. And I, and I, they say, well, I was in Walmart today. Well, my God, phew, we've been open around here for months and months and, and, and everything. So I just want you to hear what I'm trying to tell you today. And that is that, that, that somewhere in this world, Corsicana needs a Titus. Would you say amen? And Calvary needs a Titus. And, 
East Texas needs a Carico. Come on, body. Shout hallelujah. And we've got to have some men and women of God to get up and say, no matter what you do, where you go, what you say, we are going to come through this in the name of Jesus because God has never failed the church yet. Somebody shout hallelujah. Well, go ahead and give them a big praise for that because God's on the throne. And are you ready for this one? Number one, Titus needed Crete. Number two, Crete needed Titus. And number three, God wanted Titus in Crete. God wanted him there. (laughs) How many of you ever told God you didn't like where you were? Come on, Jonah, raise your hand. Amen. Isn't that the truth? God, would you please move me? No, there's something about you I hate. No, no, I'm just kidding on that. (laughs) Y'all forgive me for that. I'm just, uh, this has been working me over for about two and a half weeks. Tanner preached last week. Boy, didn't he carry the mail. Amen. He carried the mail. And for about two weeks, this has been boiling inside of me. Uh, and so, so let me tell you this. Titus needed the Crete experience. Church history indicates that Charles Spurgeon, have we got her Spurgeon, the great author, the preacher, he was censured by the religious organization that he was with. They censured him. Now listen to this. Carefully listen to this. And unfortunately, the religious organization rose up such a turmoil that I read in the history of, of Charles Spurgeon that in one of his meetings, several people were killed. We hadn't heard of that in years and years until, you know, we got the United States of America doing church shootings. And, and, and then uh, that's an example. Uh, and it was not because Spurgeon was immoral and stealing money from the church. It was just dis, just unrest and discontent in the body. And then Jonathan Edwards pastored a thriving church. Are you ready for this one? He pastored a thriving church, and when he preached, and he got to name and sin in the church. You're walking in sin. It's wrong to do this. It's wrong to do that. God's words against that. And when uh, when he started naming loose living and people dabbling with the world in one hand and God with the other. Y'all hearing what I'm talking about? I can tell by the look on your face. It got down to the point where the church attenders were so upset and they raised such a ruckus that they talked the other members into getting rid of, uh, of Jonathan Edwards and getting him out of there because he's disturbing our little fellowship. I want to tell you about John Wesley. He started a denomination, he and his brother, and it was the theme of their denomination was called Holiness unto the Lord. I preached in Wilmore, Kentucky at their campground. They've got a tabernacle down there. You can set this building in. Easy. You can just drop it in the middle. It wouldn't hit a wall on either side. And I preached in that thing more than one time. Asbury's down the road. I went down to the... I've, I've been there. I'm not making stories up here. Now, I'm, I'm a real-life experienced person in this. And, and all across the top of that tabernacle, with signs with letters a, a foot and two feet tall, said, Holiness unto the Lord. 
Holiness unto the Lord. And that was the birth of that denomination. And I want to point out something to you. He got to preaching, and when he did, they threw him out of the church. He went to the street and started preaching there, and they ran him out of the street. And when he finished preaching there, he went out on the highway out of town and started preaching, and crowds still followed him. And then they ran him out of the road that he was in preaching. Now listen to this. He went out into a pasture across the fence where the people couldn't get to him. And the guy that owned the ranch, the farm, hated him so bad that he went and opened up his gate and turned a wild, mean bull on him and ran him out, uh, turned a bull loose on him to run him away. And he came back to town and preached later. And guess what happened? 10,000 people showed up to hear what God was saying. Hallelujah! Are you hearing what I'm trying to say? Sometimes we need a Crete, and sometimes Crete needs us. Hallelujah! And sometimes God wants us there, and sometimes Timothy has got to go to Ephesus. It doesn't matter. John had a Patmos, and there's a trial somewhere out yonder. And in the name of Jesus, get on your feet in the Lord and let God's Spirit live inside of you. And don't back down. Don't back out. Don't give up because God has got a church ready for the rapture. And Jesus is coming. And we are here. And we're going to endure hardness as a soldier of Jesus Christ. Everybody give God a great big praise for that. Amen. Paul had his Philippian jail. Peter had his stay in jail. John had his Patmos. I'm going to be doing a study on Patmos in my Wednesday night classes in a few weeks. I found out something when I was reading John, the revelation of Jesus that John wrote. Just a little tidbit to get you hungry for it. He did not say that I'm on Patmos. He said, he did not say that I'm John on Patmos. He said, I'm in Patmos. And I got to digging and reading and getting in encyclopedias and church history books. And I've been there scratching like a chicken in the yard. And I kept digging and digging. You know what I found out? I, I found out that Patmos is full of caves and holes and dens and dungeons. And Paul wasn't on Patmos. He was in it. He, he was down in, in, in the darkness, in the dank darkness of that place. And he had that. The road to greatness with God leads through Crete at some point. It leads through Patmos at some point. It leads through the wicked city of Ephesus at some point. The road to God's greatness is out there. Get on it and stay on it. And don't back off of it. Don't get on, a, on an exit rail and leave it. Listen to this. There is a cowardly streak in the best people sometime around that would attempt to dodge opposition and avoid burdens and shun battles and look for an easier way out. This is not an easy day. And Jesus said, before this is all over, it will be worse and worse and except it be shortened that there would be fewer and fewer people get saved. I'm going to announce to you today that there's a creed experience going on in the world. There's a trial, a Patmos experience. 
And the thing about it is that's happened all through history. But right now we're getting the Patmos, the Crete, the Ephesus. We're getting it all compiled at one time. And, and a lot of people are weary in their body, their mind, and their spirit. You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking that on Sunday morning we ought to hit our feet on the floor bright and early and say, This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Get the kids ready. We're going to go to Sunday school. Hallelujah. Johnson and Bernard and uh, Dan and all these other teachers around here. They prepared and we're ready. Let's go to heaven together. Let's have revival. Let's turn it in the devil's face and have the miracle of God. Hallelujah. Paul had a different attitude than most of us. When he saw the trial, he said, In your hardness is a good soldier, Timothy. Crete, uh, uh, Crete has got Titus because I'm going to tell you to stay there. And, and you see, God needed uh, Titus to say, Yes, Lord, I hear you, and I want to be what you want me to be. And, and Crete needed him as bad as uh, he needed that. Has everybody got to say amen? Now, watch this. Sometimes it's not easy. And I'm going to talk now to all of the Argos people. I don't want to use the word bunch of you slow bellies. Come on, church. Grin. Look at your neighbor and say, that's for you, Bubba. Jenna, tell him that right now. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Y'all are just too close. We sit close front to get picked on. All right. And... Uh, uh, so, so I'm going to tell all you Argos people this. I know you're saying, I'm not an Argos, but listen to this. It's not easy. Amen. It's not a walk in the park. It's a battlefield. This is a battlefield. It is. And uh, I, I, when my former pastor had a guy in our church, African-American guy, loved God so much, his name was uh, Elmer Jackson. Elmer was a, College professor. Brilliant man. Oh, boy, you talk about brains. I just got around him. I picked up his Bible one day and opened it up and looked at it and I said, oh, I don't like him. Every page in it was marked with notes all over it. I mean, he'd been reading books I hadn't read in a year, you know, in the Bible. And, uh, and so uh, Elmer uh, was a teacher in our church also. His wife, uh, Doris, was an unbelievable singer. Boy, we put her on the platform with some of the praise team, and Lord have mercy, she rocked the house with that voice of hers. And and so Elmer uh, said, I, "I want the college career class. That's what I do to college. That's what I want here." So we let him have that class, and to my dismay, if he ever finds this on podcast, he's going to come to Carson and shoot me. And to my sad dismay, Sunday mornings when I'm before God in prayer and reading and saying, Lord, do you really want me this in my outline? You gave it to me last week. Have you changed your mind? Are you going to make me preach this? When it was all going on, watch this now. Elmer Jackson walks up to my office door. Preacher, it's me. Come in, Elmer. I'm at my desk. Bible's open. Notes open. I've studied, I've prayed, I've visited hospitals, I've done all this stuff, and I'm digging at that last moment to be sharp as a razor behind the pulpit. And he reaches across my desk, pulls my telephone around because we didn't have cell phones, pulled out his little book, 
and had the number and the name of every member in his class and sat there, rotary dial, Hello, Tom. You awake? No. This is Elmer. You got 45 minutes to be in class, buddy. Oh, I forgot about something. Oh, no. Come on. Get up right now. I'm going to stay on the phone. You get up. <laughs> Have you made it to the shower yet? Are you awake? Are you sure? Okay. Hang up. He called every member in his class every Sunday morning to get them there in the house of God so he could teach the Bible to them. Sometimes, folks, if flat is not easy. Somebody join whoever's clapping. Will y'all join that whoever's over there? Sometimes it's not easy. Uh, uh, God said, Noah, there's a remnant of people can be saved. Oh, boy, Noah, that great servant of God. You think he's having fun? People making fun of him. He didn't have them. I built the art T-shirt for sale over Trinity Broadcast. <laughs> he didn't have 20,000 faith partners out of Dallas and Tulsa to help him. He didn't have somebody with 25 books laying on the desk saying, you're just not sowing those seeds. And the number right here is where you sow your seed. And if you'll call that number, you'll... And and him sitting out there raking in the millions. He didn't have that. And if you think that's worse, let me tell you something worse than that. A hundred years building it, and only his family got saved? My God, have mercy. If I get my family saved in heaven, I did as good as him. Amen? And are you ready for this? I can see all those people talking to Noah for about a hundred years. And then God said, Noah, come down to thy house upon the ark. And it went on. And God did not make Noah shut the door. The Bible said God shut the door. God shut the door. I could hear I could hear Noah if he said, uh, Lord, I don't want to shut the door. I, old, old Bill's right out there. He came by and talked to me nearly every day. I had sawdust on the top of my tennis shoes and pitch all over my uh, my nail apron, and I was working and climbing on ladders and scaffolding. I was building this art and putting it together and all that kind of stuff. And God, God, he's standing right out there, and, and he's screaming, Open the door. Hey, let us in. Uh, and, and it was not Noah's call. It was God's call. It was God's call. Oh, I tried, and they just did They turned me down. They wouldn't go to Sunday They wouldn't do this. They wouldn't do that. Look at me. Look at me. You do your part. You dig a, you dig a, a trench. You get in it. You rise in the name of Jesus. You don't back down. You don't back off. You don't quit. As my old saying is, you get a bulldog grip on God's skirt tail and don't turn loose. You get in there and stay in there and live for God and keep living for God because Crete needs you and you need Crete and God wants us in this day. That's the reason He raised us up. 
I'm not scratching my head. So what am I doing here? We know what we're doing here. Amen. I, I, I need a little bit of a nod from a head out there somewhere. God knows where we are. He understands the whole thing. And he said to those young preachers and everybody else, you can make it. God needed Noah to save the remnant. <laughs> it, 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 you know, it's crazy. But, but, but God used Abraham to preserve a bloodline when there was one human left in the world that could produce a child, and that was Isaac. And nobody else but Isaac could produce a bloodline, and it got down to one living human being in all the face of the earth. And God still had his bloodline to go on. Shout hallelujah. That's what God did. That's the reason that's in Israel over here on the other side of the ocean right now. Praise God. God delivered Moses from the tears and bondage of Egypt. And, and then Elijah. How many of y'all heard about that guy? Oh, yeah. That's Elijah. Somebody said, well, he called fire down. Sure he did. But let me tell you something else about him. The Bible said that he was hunted by the devil. A family in their church named Bell. And her first name was Jesse. Y'all loving me? Are y'all loving me? Somebody got to love me right now. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting downright salty on this. And I want to tell you something else. Elijah was homeless and you're not. He did not sleep in the back seat of an SUV. He slept on a, with a rock. And dirt. I'll tell you something else about him. He was broke. He couldn't write a thousand dollar soul seed and check into somebody's ministry who has jet airplanes. He couldn't do that. He was hungry. Somebody said, well, how do you know? Because God had the ravens to feed him. And when he got to that widow woman's house, he said, hey, I, I need a cake. I need something to eat. She said, I don't have one. I got a handful of meal in the barrel, a little oil in the cruise. I'm out here getting up a few sticks. I'm going to go in there and put it on, catch the fire. I'm going to put these together. I'm going to make us a cake. We're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. We'll be over in the cemetery in a little while. I'm not exaggerating. You know, you know your Bible. That is not an exaggeration. And he said, if you'll fix one for me, I think we can make it. And she obeyed. She obeyed. Somebody said, I will obey the Lord. Say it again. I'll obey the Lord. One more time, I'll obey the Lord. And God spoke, and her meal never ran out, and the cruise of all never ran out in her lifetime, and her family was sustained, and God did miracles. Look, look, li listen to this. I'm trying to make rational sense with you that we've got a God that sometimes we think is irrational, but God knows where you are. He understands where we are. He sees us where we are. And there's a church of the living God rising to the top. And we're going we're gonna to make it in the name of Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of the living God. And we'll turn over rocks and dig up roots and branches to make it. But God is still God today. Hallelujah. And there's a crisis. And God has not backed down. And God has not backed out. And He's still Closer than a brother. Hallelujah. Give him a great, great, great big old praise right now because he's God. <laughs> you know, blessings to Elijah were as rare as Amish electricians. 
Let me cover my face again here. I'm sorry. <laughs> I told the lady that the other day, and she said, well, I don't know what Amish is, so it ain't funny to me. <laughs> so she made it funny, funnier. I, I'm going to tell you what I'm seeing in the modern church. I've been hanging around a long time, saints. And I know I bore you to tears sometime when I'm preaching. Because, you, you know, uh, and, 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 and I know it's just the way it is because, you know, I started when I was 16. And I'm not 100 yet, but I'm, I'm looking over the peak of the mountain. <laughs> Modern believers want to reap what they haven't sowed yet. Now you know why I had a wrestling match with God over this stuff. If you think this is rough to listen to, you ought to be the one preaching it. I know a bunch of you taking notes. I can see it. Listen to this one. God does not need your money as much as He needs your faithfulness. Here's the next one. Supernatural provision follows faithfulness only. Supernatural provision follows faithfulness. You stay faithful to God. He will do the supernatural. Amen. Here's the next one. I only have 90 of these. I'm just kidding, okay? I'm down to my last deal on my notes here. Here's the next one. We want God's blessing before, up front, before we're faithful to His program. We get God's blessing when we're faithful to His program. We want God's blessing before we ever get into the program. God, let's make a deal. Let's cut a, let's cut a deal with you. I, I want you to understand this. Samuel <coughs> was called by God to condemn a backsliding nation. Elijah locked up heaven, went broke, homeless. I already named all that stuff he went through. And uh, I didn't say it to be mean to you, but, but you know, I'm temporarily out of water at my house. And, and I, I looked at my wife last night, and I said, you know, we're some of the most blessed people in the world. Amen? Uh, you remember my story about the women washing their clothes in, in the river under the bridge? You remember the pigtail soup? and You remember that? Come on. Uh, I'm sure you remember. All right. Martin Luther broke the, the stronghold of Romanism in this world and gave us a Protestant church like the one in the New Testament. Come on, buddy. You may as well say amen to this stuff. Tyndale, who produced the first written Bibles in the world, had a burden on his heart for God to give him a vision on how to print a Bible in mass production. Because he wanted a plowboy to be able to read it out yonder somewhere and not just a king in a palace. Are you rocking with me today? I feel somebody rocking the boat with me right now. I think I think God's moving right now in somebody's heart. It's amazing that a man can have his own private creed experience. It really is. Titus couldn't leave. Paul advised him to attack, don't retreat. 
pull out your sword and go to war. Don't look for an escape route. Titus 2 and 1 said, speak the things that become sound doctrine. In other words, you keep on keeping on. You just do it. And he, God, look, look at this. Listen to this. Write this down. Write this down. God did not put Titus on Crete so he could be beaten up. Oh, God, why are you doing this to me? I hear that stuff all the time. God did not put him there to get him beaten up. He had an old spiritual daddy in God that said, Son, dig in. Dig a deeper hole. Lay back more. Preach straighter. Get more love. Get more holiness. Get more power. Stand up in the middle of the opposition. Live it. Do it. Don't stop it. Stay there until you're dead. And when they bury you, somebody will walk by and say, you know, we're a better place because that person right here was here at one time. Amazing what God can do. God wanted Titus and Crete. Here are the four reasons why. I won't elaborate on them. Here are the four reasons why. And then I'll, I'll close in prayer. Listen to them. You need to know this because God wanted this to happen. He said... In the book of Titus, the first thing you do is you address the older men in the church. The older men, you address them in the church. And he told them to do God's work and God's will, to be sober-minded, to be grave, to be temperate, to be sound in faith, to be full of love and patience. That's what he said to them. If you don't believe that, you read Titus when you go home today. It's just a short little bitty book. You can read it. You'll find out I'm telling you the truth. After God addressed the men, all you men, look at me. After God addressed the men in that church, the next thing God addressed in that church through Titus was the women. Oh, yeah, the women. And if you'll read it in chapter 2, verse 3, 4, and 5, all you got to do is read it. It's there. Look, it says, you mature ladies, you live a holiness lifestyle. Don't be a false accuser. Don't get drunk. Teach good things. Teach young women how to be right. Teach them how to love their husbands. And teach your children. You be discreet. You keep your house clean. And you walk in subjection to the will of God, the Word of God. And you make your household a, a God place. Everybody say the older men. Now say the older women. Are you ready for the third one here? Why did he do it? The next thing is he talked to the young men. That's chapter 2, verse 6, 7, and 8. It's right in front of you if you'll open it up and look at it. And he said to the young men, Be sober-minded. Show yourself a mature pattern for good works. You have right doctrine. You can't believe anything you want to and be right. You've got to believe the truth. People tell me all the time, I can believe anything I want to as I'm sincere. God, no, 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 you're wrong, honey. You missed your boat. Your ship sailed, and, it, and it's going over the horizon. You can't live and believe anything you want to. We've got to get back to the Word. All right. He said, be right doctrine. Do not become corrupt and be sincere. And, and don't let your speech condemn you. That's what he said do. Everybody say, older men. Older women. Now say, younger men. Now, here's the last one. He said to all the people at Crete, that's everybody left over, deny ungodliness and worldly lust. 
Then he said, live soberly, righteous, and godly in this present world. The world that they were in that was immoral and rotten and dirty and stinking and going to hell. You live right in that world that you're in. Is anybody with me right now? I know this is a three-week Bible study and one Sunday morning, but I'm going to give it all to you because he'll be taking the pulpit over pretty soon. And, and then my shots up there is going to be pretty slim. So, <laughs> Amen. But look at this. He said, and then he closed it out by saying, listen to this. He said, look for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of Jesus Christ, our great God and Savior. You know what he was preaching in those days, 2,000 years ago? The rapture of the church. Ah, glory to God. Everybody give Jesus the biggest hand clap you give him all day long. Amen. Now, thank you all for putting up with me again today. Did you just turn that camera off? I'm so glad. I didn't know it was on. I wouldn't have done all this silly stuff if I knew that was on. Tori, I love you anyway. I hope the battery ran down an hour ago. <laughs> I want everybody to lift your right hand up and say, I'm going to live for Jesus. I want everybody to say it again. I'm going to live for Jesus. Look, you have to be faithful before you get all that other stuff. Get in here. Put your feet down. Anchor yourself. Get solid. Amen. And that's all about young preachers. Silas, John Mark, Timothy, Titus, all those guys. Amen. And he said, here I want to cry again already. He said, go forward and make sure that Jesus Christ is coming and you're ready for him when he comes. In the body of Christ, said, Amen. Amen. Father, for our sick, I pray. And God, just for the record, I miss shaking hands and hugging necks. I miss it so bad. I miss it when people don't walk up to the front and get around everybody and praying in the altars for extended periods and weeping and bathing the tops of these altars with salty tears. But God, in our very near future, this is going to happen all again. I can see the light at the end of this tunnel. And God, I, I can praise you for it in Jesus' name. And it's going to get better and better. Hallelujah for the church of the living God to just get that, that inward connection going one more time like, we've, like we're supposed to have. And Lord, we just want you to bless us and help us together in Jesus' name. And meet us, God, in this house. Wednesday night and next Sunday and the next one and the next one as we grow and grow and grow and grow in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.